we'll, we'll try to make sure that people think that we're, we got it all together, we don't make mistakes, you know, we don't have any, any, uh, any jealousy or greed or anything like that in our hearts. And, and just as people, you know, this is part of our fallen nature as people, is we, we tend to think we're a little better than, you know, everyone else. That's just part of human nature. You know, they have problems. Me, however, you know, I've pretty much conquered all that. I don't have any problems. That's just part of the, that's kind of the, the, the deceitfulness of sin that we were talking about a little bit last week. But, but, you know, you find this, and I find this in my life, is that there are some times where I'll be doing something or, and talking to someone, and it'll be maybe at a time of, uh, of weakness where I may be a little upset or a little angry or a little tired or maybe just after a while, and I'll end up saying something that is surprises me. I'll say something that's maybe mean about somebody. I'll say something that's, that's derogatory about someone else. And, and uh, whoever I'm with or whoever you're with at that time, they'll may even say to you, oh, that's not like you to talk like that about somebody. Um, but then we see that uh, what Jesus said, and we read this last week, was that out of the overflow of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so basically Jesus was saying, no, that stuff that comes up, that, that, those words that come out of you, where they came from, is from your heart, right? And, uh, and, and it's a terrible thing for us to see or hear, and maybe we think, well, that's not like me. But, but I think one of the things that Jesus would, would teach us and tell us was that, no, that, that is like you. That, that's something that kind of got out of your filter. That kind of got out of your control. And you said something that you wouldn't ordinarily say about someone in front of someone else, but it's what you think about them. And uh, we kind of talked about that. We, don't, we talked about, you know, you see this in marriage a lot, right, where, you know, in some of the premarital counseling that, that I do here, one of the things that I tell people is, is that now when we do premarital counseling, what I want to do is I want to, I want to give you guys situations. I want to go back and I want to talk about your past. I want to talk about what you think about the future. And in all of this, one of the goals that we have in premarital counseling, besides pointing people to Christ, you know, for, for, for their marriage and, and the problems that they're going to have when, when, when they're married and, and just future, in their future lives. But one of the other goals I have is I want them to walk into their marriage with their eyes wide open. Now, it's hard, right? When you're in love... Right? They say love is blind, and that's for a reason, right? Because when you're in love, your emotions, you can't see anything. All you know is, you know, your, your husband or your wife or your fiancé at that time is perfect. They can do no wrong. And then after about six months of marriage, what? You realize, wow, this is not the person I thought they were, right? Because love is so, is so blind. But, but it's one of the things, is, and that's part of the deal, is, you know, you can't maintain that filter all the time. You can't filter out all the junk and all the words and all the thoughts that you know you shouldn't have and you shouldn't do. Uh, and even some of the behaviors that you shouldn't do. And so, you know, uh, where a man may be very careful when he's dating, may be very careful to always open the door for, for his fiance or for his girlfriend. After about six months of marriage or a couple of years of marriage, pretty soon it's like, what, you can't open your own doors, right? It's that kind of thing, uh, right? And so, um, uh, but the filter can't last that long. And, and ultimately, I think sometimes what, what we have is that there's something that breaks through, that some, something breaks out of that filter. And we realize is that maybe there's something more in my heart and in my mind than I realized. And maybe it's, maybe it's a little dark. Maybe it's not something that I want to see. Maybe it's not something I want to admit to. So, you know, I, 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 was, I was talking to Jonathan. I always get great feedback from Jonathan um, uh, for my sermons. And so every, almost every week I, 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 uh, I bug him about it. I say, what did you get from today? And, and he'll tell me kind of what, how I did and, and uh, how, what I communicated. But um, one of the things I want is that we're talking about some really difficult stuff and some stuff that we don't want to see about ourselves, right? But in all of it, I, I want to stay really positive about it because there's hope for us, amen? 
Right? I, I want us to all be, you know, one of the things, so, so we, we read from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 last week, you remember that, and, and one of the things that Solomon, who wrote about this, he said, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In other words, what he was saying is, all of life comes from your heart. The way that you, you love people, the way that you, that you parent, the way that you manage your finances, the way that you do ministry work, the way that you work, the way that you treat people, all of that is, comes out of your heart. And so um, one of the things that we kind of tied together then, well, if my heart is corrupted, then the way that I treat people is corrupted. The, the, my attitude towards people may be corrupt. There may be something towards someone that, that's, that's, that's uh, bent and shaped by, by, by the, the, sometimes the junk, right, that's in my heart, the sin that, that resides in my heart. But God has called us out of that. Amen? And he's provided us a means by his Holy Spirit for us to... Uh, for him to sanctify us and to purify our hearts and to cleanse our hearts. One of the, one of the great things I love about Psalms is there's, there's all these calls, especially Psalm 51, but many, many more, where the psalmist is praying to God, cleanse me, wash me, make me new, create in me, in Psalm 51, create in me a, a clean heart, O oh God. Recognition that because of the heart that I have that's there now, not clean, not pure needs God's help. One of the other things we talked about last week is, is that, uh, so we talked about guarding your heart and how we, and especially men for us especially, you have to guard your heart. You have to be like a soldier on the wall who's standing there and saying, I'm not going to let the junk in, right? I'm not going to let in pornography. I'm not going to let in those lustful thoughts. I'm not going to do it. And on the other side of that is, though, is to monitor our hearts is to ask and see. One of the things, um, a lot of the sermon series that I'm doing is actually uh, really old sermon, uh, uh, some studies that, that uh, kind of adapted from uh, Andy Stanley, that he did such a fantastic job teaching on this subject about monitoring his heart. One of the things that he does with his kids, which I love, is that when his kids were little, he would go to them whenever they were in bed, and he'd put his hands on their chest, and he'd ask them, how's your heart? He was trying to teach them to monitor and to listen to their own hearts about what was going on. And he would ask them, was anyone mean to you today? Did anybody break a promise? Did anybody make fun of you today? Did someone hurt your feelings? Did someone lie to you? And what he was trying to get them to, to see and to realize is that sometimes when people do things to us because our hearts are dark and a little twisted and still some, some residing sins, Things can begin to build in your heart towards other people, right? Unforgiveness. Um, there can begin to grow um, uh, anger, resentment, bitterness. Those things can begin to grow in his heart. And one of the things he was trying to teach his kids was monitor your heart. It's one of the reasons that the psalmist says over and over again to God, search me, know me, search my heart. And what we read um, out of the prophet last week where he said is that God is the one who knows us and he's the one who can search our hearts. And we as believers, we need that. We need to be monitoring ourselves, monitoring our hearts and looking for that residing sin and making sure uh, that we're bringing it before the Lord and asking for his help. So, um, so one of the things that we're gonna, we, I want to talk about today um, is is um, is guilt and and shame and and so one of the how how to describe guilt is right guilt if you look it up it's a feeling of remorsefulness right it, what 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 guilt is is that means I've taken something from you and now I'm feeling badly for it right I've done something to you or I've taken something from you and now I'm feeling badly one of the ways that we maybe understand this well is is that is that guilt is kind of like a debt and debtor relationship right where you had something and I took it from you and now I feel 
guilt. I feel guilty because I've robbed you of something. That, that's all kinds of things. Maybe, maybe I lied to you, right? And one of the ways that, that lying robs us is that, is that I lied to you and then you made some decisions or you, you worked with me or our relationship was based on something that wasn't true and I robbed you of the ability to make decisions apart from the lie that I told you, right? Um, there are other things, right? There, there are other ways that we rob people. You know, we, the other ways that, that we may uh, steal from people in, in regards to relationships, right? Where someone breaks off a relationship, a marriage relationship where maybe a husband or wife walks out and walks away and, um, and, and takes with them maybe an income or takes with them, you know, the input to the family and the love of the family and breaks that and leaves their feeling guilt, right, the person who walked away. But there are a hundred ways that we might feel guilt for. And read with me in Psalm verse, uh, Psalm verse 38. We're going to read just the first four verses. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of what? My sin. My what? My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. That's one of the other ways that we might, just, we might understand guilt is it's not just like a debtor relationship where I've taken something from you and now I owe you. One of the other ways to think about it is it's like a weight and, and one of the things that you'll see in a couple of places in the Psalms, he says, it's like a weight and it's like a burden to me that's more than I can bear, right? It's, it's heavier than I can carry, right? And so I want to talk about this kind of in two different ways today. One is in, in personal relationships, the relationship with other people, is that you may have done something, even, you know, accidentally. Maybe it was on purpose, though. Maybe it was because you made a terrible decision and you did something to cause harm to someone else. And now... There's this feeling of guilt or this feeling of shame that you have and this feeling of, I owe you. I owe you now. And so I'll, you always carry that. A- anyone ever loan money to someone and then they didn't pay it back for a long, long, long time? Yeah. And so or maybe never, right? You ever loan money to someone and then from that period on, the relationship's different, right? You, you guys have been reading Proverbs. What does Proverbs say about loaning money? Don't, right? Because it says, listen, the relationship's important, right? So that's one of the things in the church. People all the time come to the church and say, hey, can I just borrow some money now and I'll pay you back later? Um, And we just tell them, the deacons, elders also, we just tell them, we don't make loans here. We don't do it. If you need money and we can help, we are happy to help. You go and take it. But if you're going to pay something back, that's up to you. You give that money to someone else later, or you want to give that back to the church, that's on you. But we don't do loans here, right? Because we don't want, to, we don't want money to come between a relationship between us and someone else. But it's happened to you, right? It's happened to me. It's happened to almost all of us where, where, where we've had that debt that's hanging over a relationship. And you can feel it. And it's that way with money. It's also that way with hurt. It's also that way with sin. Um, when you sin against someone else, there's this overwhelming feeling that hangs over the relationship. Okay, and then also between us and the Lord, listen to what he says in this four, verse 4. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. You know, this is one of the things that, 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 is, that, is, that we can talk about here that's so different is, is that apart from, from the cross, apart from the gospel, guilt is normal. Guilt is a human experience that everyone faces and no one can really deal with very well. Do you have, uh, Juice, do you have for me there the Avid Brothers uh, song? This is a little song by the Avid Brothers. It talks about a guy and a girl who broke up and he's feeling guilty for his part of it. Yeah, go ahead. You got that? Shame. Here we go. 
Don't you love this? Boatloads of shame. Day after day. Day after day. More of the same. More of the same. Blame. 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 Please lift it off. Lift it off. Please take it off. Please make it stop. All right, that's good. That's good. Don't, don't you love it? Isn't that funny? The very folksy, Avid Brothers. But anyway, but, but the song is about shame and boatloads and day after day, more of the same. Uh, blame someone, please take it off. That's the feeling, right? That, that's the thing. If you're, if you're not a believer and you've sinned against God and you have any recognition that there's a God, there's no relief, right? There is guilt, and tomorrow there's going to be guilt because you can never, you know, there are some sins that you and I commit that we can never be undone. Right? Now, if I borrow money from you, I can pay it back one day. But if I sin against you, if I say something derogatory about you behind your back, what are you going to do to pay that back? If I cause hurt to my wife, if I'm mean or angry with her or I do something or say something, I can never take it back. Someone, someone said once is that, is that um, sin is kind of like going up to a post. And you take a nail and you beat it in the post. And, and um, actually, there's kind of a story here. There's a, 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 a dad who told his son that, that every time he, um, he did something mean to someone, he had to go and nail a nail to a post, right? And so here's the story. So day after day, so the, the son's going and he's nailing another nail to the post every time he's mean or he says something mean or he is mean to someone. And so after some period of time, the, co- the, the post is covered in nails, right? And he, goes, and he feels so much guilt and so much shame for what he's done. He goes to his dad and says, what do I do? I, I see now how many times I treat people badly. And he said, you go and make it right with those folks. And every time you make it right, you pull one of the nails. You confess. You repent to them. You tell them that you're sorry. So he goes up and he starts pulling the nails off. Every time he goes to one of his friends or one of his acquaintances he's been mean to, and he goes and he pulls the nails off. But you know what he finds when he's done? Is a post is still full of nail holes. See, there's some sin that you and I commit against other people that can never be fully paid back. It can never be undone. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute about what we do about that. But that, 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 but that apart from the cross, guilt is a normal part of daily life. That is part of your life as a person. You're just going to do something. Any of you here ever did, did something that you told your children you shouldn't because it was wrong? You can raise your hands. We're, all of us, right? Yeah, there's no one that says, um, I don't know about the guy behind me. Is he going to raise his hand? Yes, all of us have done things that we've told our children are wrong, right? All of us have done things that we would be shamed, ashamed of people here finding out. True? Every last one of us. Listen, guilt and shame is part of the human experience because our hearts have been corrupted by sin. In fact, you know, there would be things that we, you and I would say, man, if that was, I wish that was illegal, if that was illegal, and then what we've done and said or, or the same thing, every one of us is guilty before God. But here's the great thing in the gospel. Here's the great thing about being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is that in, uh, for the believer, Jesus Christ has taken away all of our guiltiness. He's taken away all of our sin and removed even our shame. Amen? Uh, th- now, this, there is, there's no relief like this in the world, right? If, if you go in some other religion and you commit an offense against their God, you have to go make penance for it. But listen, in Christianity, Jesus Christ made all the penance for us, and there is none left to bear. There is no more guilt. There is no more shame before God because the Lord Jesus Christ has set us free from it. Amen? 
and fully. Now listen, I know that there's some religiosity in all of our hearts, and in some ways we think that, well, if I beat myself up over this, if I carry this guilt and I carry my shame and I, I put my head down and I, you know, and like the Old Testament, maybe I put ash in my hair and I wear a, a burlap cloth for, for days, you know, a shirt made out of burlap, um, then I'm, you know, then I'm going to somehow be more, uh, better, more righteous for this. Listen, that, that's a lie. That's religion, right? In the Lord Jesus Christ, the way that you and I have our sin and our guilt removed from us is what? Is by faith in what he's done. And it is honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ when you and I begin to feel guilt and shame over something we've done to believe him at his word when he said, I've paid the penalty fully for your sin and there is no more left to be paid. Amen? Listen. Don't believe it. When, when, when you feel that kind of rising up, that you need to feel bad, that you, you can't approach God because you've done and you've gone wrong. Now listen, this is only if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is only if you're a believer in Him. Every, all the rest of the world walks around in guilt every day. But for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, He has taken away our sin. And He's brought us 100% forgiveness. And He's taken away our guilt and our shame and our sin. And we now walk in total and absolute forgiveness, not because our sin was so small, but because the work of Christ was so great, amen? Fully forgiving our sin. Not only our sin, bringing forgiveness, but removing our shame and our guilt. Uh, thank God that he did. Don't buy into that lie that cultivating that guilt or, or wallowing it somehow makes you more acceptable to God. What makes you more acceptable to God is to say, Lord, I, I feel bad that this is done. I feel bad that I've struggled with this sin for the 150,000th time. But thank you because I know that I'm forgiven in your son. He's glorified when you recognize the gospel at work in your life. Amen? He, he loves it. Amen? He loves that. He loves you to take the gospel um, for, for what he says at his word. Okay, um, yeah, okay, that's uh, Psalm 38 there. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let, me, let me tell you one, one, one other thing about, about, um, about guilt. Here's, here's kind of the thing about guilt, right? When, I, when I've done something wrong, and let's say I've done something wrong against my wife, um, it's like I'm always carrying around this I owe you right, where I say, now I've done something against you because guilt says I owe you, right, because I've done something against you, I've done something wrong, I've taken something from you, uh, I'm now in your debt and now I owe you. Here's one of the strange things about, about guilt in, in the mind of, of a fallen uh, a person is that a lot of times this makes us angry. Let me tell you how that works. Because I did something wrong, because I've realized that I've done something that I've told my kids I would never, you, they should never do, and I ended up doing it. And because now I feel guilty, now I, I don't want my wife to be any better off than I am, and so I'm angry at her all the time, right? Because, she could, because I never measured up, well, now she can't measure up, right? Because I'm carrying around a boatload of guilt. Does that make sense? You see this all the time. You, you, you see this all the time. And, and a lot of times the, people who, the person who's carrying the guilt doesn't see it. They just think that they're a person who, oh, I'm a perfectionist. And when everyone around them knows that they can never please them, well, the reason that they can never be pleased is because they're always comparing themselves to the other person and saying, you know what, I'm carrying guilt. I've done something wrong. I didn't measure up. And so now you can't measure up either. 
You see this a lot of times with people who are killing, carrying guilt because they're angry and they're perfectionists and they're demanding of the people around them because they can't get rid of this. Okay. In the gospel, in the gospel before God, this note, like Brenda was talking about, is nailed to the cross and buried with Christ and taken away forever. For, now, let me make sure. I, I was confused about this for years when I was an early believer. Um, the sins that I've committed before today and the sins that I will commit in the future, every one of them paid in full. There is no guilt or shame between me and my Father in heaven. Amen? Now, I need to tell you, I need to finish with this. This is important. The way to get through guilt in the Scriptures, the way to get through guilt was through confession. Over and over again, you're going to see that theme in the Scriptures. It's even going to be, and I know you all, I know we all sometimes think about confession Old Testament style, or because you're good Baptist, many of you, right? Um, I'm, a, I'm a mediocre Baptist. Um, I hope I'm a, a better follower of Christ. But anyway, um, the, there are, um, in the Old Testament, or, or maybe in Baptist circles, we tend to think of confession as the day that I confessed my sins and came to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not biblical. What's biblical is, is that, yes, that is one step, step number one of confession, but that in the, in the Christian life, in the, in, the, in the Bible, in the Scriptures, confession is a daily part of the life of a believer. It, it is constantly going before the Lord and saying, I am still struggling with this anger. I, I am still struggling with this guilt. God, you've got to help me with this. And, and to have this continual life this lifestyle of confession before God. And listen, it's so important for us to keep short accounts with God, right? Not to go days, not to think that I'm going to go, I did something wrong, so I'm going to wait two weeks before I go to the Lord. No, 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 no. To keep a short account with him and say, Lord, I messed up right now. And listen, not only with God, but with people also, right? It is so important to be quick to, to, to confess, to be quick to apologize, right? And listen, if you haven't learned that in your marriage yet, learn it. This, man, this will bring you up in your marriage. This will mature your marriage 10 years if you'll, if you'll practice this. If you will confess quickly and apologize quickly when you, knew, you know you did wrong. Now, if you don't ever think you did wrong, uh, you're deceived, all right? You're, you're deluded, right? Um, but listen, um, the, 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 if you'll keep a short account with people, if you'll just make that a practice and be willing to admit and confess and to humble yourself before someone else and say, I've messed up. L- listen, the, 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 that, is, that is the confession is the way to beat and to overcome guilt, right? Is to say, I'm not gonna let this thing come between me and someone else. I refuse to. So I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to confess and apologize when I've spoken badly about them, when I've lied to them, when I was mean to them, when I was short with them, whatever it was that, that, that you've done to another person, and to say, I'm going to be quick with my accounts, and I'm going to confess them. Okay, so here's the deal. Many of you who grew up in church say, yes, I confess to God. The Scriptures doesn't say that's the only kind of confession that you need to make. Matter of fact, the Scriptures have more to say about your confession to other people than it does about God. How about that? That's surprising, isn't it? Way back in Numbers, way back in Numbers, um, let me just read a little part of this to you. Way back in Numbers, I don't have this for the screen, but way back in Numbers chapter 5, uh, whenever, whenever God was giving Moses the law, he knew that there was going to be sin between people. He knew that there was going to be this kind of deal where people owed each other because they had sinned against each other. And so he said, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, when a man or a woman wrongs another in any way and is so unfaithful to the Lord, that person is guilty and must confess 
the sin he has committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong, add one-fifth one to it, and give it all to the person he has wronged. Okay, so God, knowing this would happen, got brought about this deal where he could make things right, where, where people could make things right with other people. So a person wrongs another person, he confesses it, and what's the second part? He makes restitution at 120%. Basically, he adds 20% to whatever he wronged them. So if I stole $100 from Scott, I would pay him back. I would confess it and I would pay him back $120. What does that have to do with God? Only that he demands it, right? I, I didn't go to God and say, oh, God, I, I stole $100 from Scott. Please forgive me. Listen, God can forgive that, but he would say, make things right with Scott. Matter of fact, one of the things that we see in the New Testament um, is, that, is that Jesus taught, when you're there, and they had this picture of them being in the temple, making an offering to God, which was required by the law, right? When you're there giving your gift at the altar, and you realize that your brother has something against you, what does he say? Go, leave your gift. And he says, first, make things right with your brother, right? Confess and make things right with your brother. Listen, confession is not just between us and God. It's between us and the people that we wrong. And, and uh, let me, I need to, to, to kind of come to a close here. But um, there are, a couple of, there are a couple of ways to make things right. One is, is by confession and repentance, right? But both start with confession. So confession is the first step. I was wrong. Do you remember Fonzie on, on um, what's that show? Um, Happy Days. Do you remember Fonzie couldn't say, I was wrong? you remember that? Yeah, listen, we have the same problem, don't we, often today? We have the same problem. We can't say, I was wrong. We have to be able to humble ourselves and say that because you know what? The person that you're confessing to, they've been wrong too. They've done wrong too. We've all done wrong. We're all like this. The Lord Jesus is the only one who couldn't, couldn't right, who, who didn't do wrong. Every other one of us can say, I've done wrong. I, I wronged you. I did this. I said this. I was thinking this of you, whatever it is. But it starts with confession to, to the other person. The other is restitution. Now, here's the deal. If you, if you stole or you borrowed 100 bucks and you pay back 120, fantastic, easy. What if you slandered them? What are you going to pay back? How are you going to make that right? Let me, let me tell you. There's only one way. Confession to that person. Confession to that person. And the only thing to do is to ask them for forgiveness, just like you and I did with our Heavenly Father, Right? You and I came to the cross. Whenever you first came to the cross, there was this realization that you had this, you had this pile of debt that you owed God, it, insurmountable, more than you could ever pay, right? And you came to him, and what did you say? Oh, don't worry, I'll pay you back? It, no, it doesn't work like that, right? God would say, no, you could never do what I'm asking you to do. You could never pay back what I'm asking you to pay back. So the only thing you had left to do was what? Uh, tell me again. Ask forgiveness was all you could do was throw yourself at his mercy and say, all I can do is say, Lord, forgive me. Because of what Jesus Christ has done and he's wiped out my sin, please overlook my offense. Listen, a lot of times whenever you and I offend other people or we make an offense or we say something or we do something that's wrong to wrong another person, the only thing we can do is confess and ask for forgiveness. There is sometimes there is nothing left, but it starts with confession. All right, let's... Uh, let me turn one more place here. If you have your Bibles with you in, in Psalm 32, and this will be the last passage, I promise. Man, we could talk about this a long time, couldn't we? There's a lot here. Psalm 32. 
Okay. Listen to this. Listen to what, listen to what David writes. Now, this is David, right? This is David who, well, anyway, okay. We don't have time for that. Let's just go. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Isn't that true? Can you imagine being out in the world today and have all the things that you've done wrong staring you right back in the face and knowing you can't do anything to make it right? You can't do anything to fix it. You can't pay back the debt you owed. And you're going to walk with this, under this for all of your life because of those boatloads of shame day after day. Yeah, blame, shame, day after day. But blessed or happy is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Isn't this great about being a believer is that we don't walk under that anymore because we know in, in, in Christianity, guilt is gone. Guilt's been taken away. And, of course, some churches still use that, but Jesus never did, right? Romans chapter 2 said, it is his kindness that brings us to repentance, right? It's not his guilt. He didn't shame us into it. Amen? Okay. Uh, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I could, listen to what he says. When I kept silent, listen to what he says. When I kept silent, what does that mean? That, that means when I wouldn't confess, when I wouldn't confess to the Lord that my sin. So when I kept silent, listen to what he says. That it's like, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So this here he's talking about before he confessed and he was withholding that confession. He knew he had done wrong, but he wouldn't confess it and he wouldn't admit it. And he said, it's like my strength was sapped. It was like overwhelming to me and I couldn't stand it anymore, kind of, sort of. And then in verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the what? the guilt of my sin. Listen, whenever you and I wrong someone else, obviously we've wronged God as well. And I know we as believers, we're real good at confessing things to God or we're real good at asking him for forgiveness. But listen, the other part of that that's required of us, even in the New Testament, is that we confess to the people that we've wronged and we ask their forgiveness or we try to make things right with them. Amen? It, it, this is required. So, so um, here's the deal. You will never be able to offload that guilt until you confess, until you repent, until you ask for forgiveness or until you make restitution and try to make things right. You will always walk under, and it will affect your relationships. It will affect the, the relationships that you have with those people, and it will continue to happen until you can offload it. And the way to overcome guilt in your life is through confession, is through admitting to people, I was wrong. I wronged you. And I want to make it right in any way I can. But if I can't make it right, I want to ask for you to do what the Lord did for me. I want to ask you to forgive me. Right? There's no other way. Confession. Um, I was wrong. I did wrong. I wronged you. And repentance. I, I pray for all of us. You know, we, we need to, uh, as we kind of talked and I had the kind of object lesson about kind of the, we all want to think of ourselves as kind of like a clean uh, pitcher of water, but really there's some junk in there. It's kind of soiled up, kind of dark. The Lord Jesus Christ would have us walk in light. He would not have us live in guilt, amen, because he's already paid for that. There's no need for it. And we need to do what he says, and we need to be obedient to his word. We need to confess it to him, and we need to confess it to the other people that we've wronged so that we can purge and get rid of, and he can work in our hearts to clean that stuff up so it doesn't affect our relationships anymore. Amen?
Amen. All right, would you pray with me, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we thank you for your teaching. Lord, we thank you especially, Father, that that you have made a way for us to be relieved of our guilt. And Lord, we just thank you. We praise you for that. And Lord, we, 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 we thank you that, that we don't have to walk under all that junk day after day. We don't have to carry that weight that can't be carried anymore. So thank you for your work in the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. But Father, I pray too that you would help us to be obedient to your word, that you would clean our hearts out, that you would, you would make them more pure, that you would call us out of darkness and into your light. Uh, by, Lord, by helping us to bring about and to confess when we've wronged someone else so that we don't carry that guilt around and so that it doesn't affect our relationships um, because we know that you, you don't want that. You want all that taken care of. You want all that cleaned up. So, Father, we ask for your help. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help, help folks here who have things that they need to confess. I pray that you'd give them the courage and the obedience to your word uh, to do it. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here this week. It was great to see everybody. Had a great time in worship with you today. You all have a great week.